Welcome to Regenerative Farmers of America podcast. We are so excited to be joined by Cerulea today. Cerulea, do you just want to jump in, tell us a little bit about your amazing company, how it got started, and how you got involved in this space? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Lauren, for having me and uh, for being able to share my story and what we're able to build here at Simply. Uh, Simply is a regenerative organic foods company that focuses on working directly with international farming communities to cut the middleman and bring those products to market. While we are able to focus on three main pillars. One is to fight food fraud, uh, which is a big component of international uh, sourcing and international commodities. Second is being able to reverse climate change. So regenerative agricultural practices are to the core of what we do. And third is being able to improve the livelihood of our farmers and create sustainable models that are here to last for long-term. I love it. And was regenerative agriculture always at the core of that? Or did you start with sourcing and see there were needs? Or where did regenerative start to that space? Yeah, to be honest, I, when we started Simply, there, I didn't know there was a term for the work that we were doing. Um, regenerative organic as a movement is quite new. And I think that there's a lot of education to still do with, within us and the consumer of what it stands for and um, how we're gonna be able to, to share that message. But we didn't know that the work that we were uh, in line to do with our communities and working with, with them directly and finding um, a market that would really appreciate the work, the hard work they're doing behind the scenes to do the right agriculture. There was a movement for that, right? And we believe that regenerative agriculture builds on organic practices. And a lot of these practices are um, what indigenous communities have been doing for thousands of years. It's just new terminology that um, here in the Western world we've gone around, which is great because it creates differentiation of products on the shelves and it creates an education platform for consumers to know all these different, all the differences between what is monocropping, what is rotational crop, what is soil health, and how we're able to to share that information. So, when we got started, um, we didn't know the definition of it, but as um, as we were to learn more and see the work that the Rodale Institute was doing with Regenerative Organic Alliance and Patagonia was able to get involved. We saw that this is the, exactly what we were building and what we wanted to be part of that. So we were able to um, work really closely with certification bodies and really understand um, what do we want to certify and who are the communities in our network that are ready for the certification um, to get there. I love it. And you obviously saw a whole lot of benefits to it even before it had a name, right? So what are kind of those high level benefits that you feel are just like the core of it and like why we work so hard to make this amazing food? What benefits do you feel are kind of the high level that comes out of this? Yeah, I mean, there's so many benefits. But I think first and foremost, it creates um, a, a communication that puts the planet at the forefront of food. And I think that's a completely different way for consumers to really think about our food. I think that we always think about maybe it's nutritional benefits or we think about its, um, its flavor, its quality, but what about what we leave behind after harvest? So this new 
uh, concept of thinking about soil health and thinking about the environment and thinking about how agricultural practices can really help build really healthy soils for us to sequester more carbon and reverse climate change is really, really important. And it's a conversation that hasn't happened before. So I think that has been really, really interesting and really exciting for us to, to be part of, of that conversation. Second is the uh, quality of the products. I think the quality of the products that um, you bring in with regenerative agriculture, it is going to be of a higher standard. It's how food is supposed to, to taste and um, what, you know, what, especially when we work in a lot of um, superfoods, we work on quinoas and um, chia seeds and sesame seeds and beans and superfoods is how some of these superfoods were introduced to, to us as consumers um, and its benefit before it got super massively produced. So it has higher quality nutrients we're seeing in our quinoa in the areas where um, regenerative organic practices are being applied. The protein level is increasing on the crop and we're doing lab testing on that, which is really amazing to see on how the plant and the seed is starting to behave to its natural habitat. Um, but then third, I think it's really positioning the, the, the agriculture um, team, the farmers, the community into a place where they have more control of the narrative and to the work that they're doing. And they are empowered to plan um, what their rotational crops are going to be like, what are the items that they're going to be growing. And they, any farmer that I've ever talked to, they want to take care of their land and their soil um, and their environment and their biodiversity, their ecosystem. So for them to put a program together that the market recognizes and the market values is really, really exciting for them because it just creates um, it creates a platform for them to tell their story and why the way they, they want to do it is better way for you and for the environment. I love that you, you lead me exactly into the next problem. There's so many good things that it does. How do we communicate that to the customer and how have you found to deal with that communication? Do you just say it's a regenerative product and they kind of get it or are you in the nutritional quality? Kind of what has been your angle to try to communicate such a impactful movement to a consumer? <laughs> yeah, um, it's definitely tough. And I think it's a um, industry effort, which I love to see massive brands being part of this movement and they want to associate their practices with it, uh, which is amazing. We really do need the, the big guys to be able to create this change if we want to be able to see the change in the next 10 to 20 years, uh, because we have to, right? And we're against the clock here. I think it really starts for us with the product, with the quality of the product at a approachable price point. And we're able to deliver on those two. The consumer is um, engaged with the story of what regenerative agriculture is. And that is why it, that's why it comes back to the product and they want to continue to support it. But that first experience has to be led by an amazing product that you also want to consume, that you, that you want to eat um, at an approachable price point and being able to to share that story of what that is. Now, regenerative agriculture is a tough topic. So it is, and we struggle with how do you break it down in a way that is digestible to everyone and we can understand it. And for us, really being able to focus on healthy soils, healthy planet, um, I think is how people are starting to understand it the most. 
and but there's so many other benefits to it right um but yeah starting with with leading with the product leading with a great quality which regenerative agricultural crops have by its nature so it is a um it is a, a great model to follow for introduction of these products i love it and i feel like so one area you we start to move into of course is certification we want to certify that this is better for the planet for individuals what certifications have you guys gone after and why have you valued those or are there any you're pursuing kind of how do you feel about the certification front yeah, we understand that the majority of agriculture in the world is still conventional, and that's where the majority of demand and supply is. Um, so we have a four-step approach where we start to work with communities that are at that stage of conventional farming, and we create a market and a program with our agronomist where we are able to transition them to organic, and that's what we call uh, the second step, transition organic, where communities can live there um, from one year to up to three years. And that really allows them to understand this movement um, of going from conventional organic, conventional um, agriculture to organic agriculture and what it takes to do that and, and what are the different um, changes they have to see on its program. The third step is once it's certified organic, how do we look at the management of these communities um, and we can apply some of those fair trade practices so it can create some ownership and um, and management levels for the for the management of the call we work with co-ops mainly um, or if it's a single farmer how, how is he managing some of those part-time employees the conditions the labor the pay and so on and then the fourth step which is the last step and we really want to move all the communities we work towards is regenerative organic so once the community has achieved um, organic certification fair trade certification we look into how we managing what is the program of your soil rotation you know cover crops all that cover um also your uh your the testing of the soil that we do what is that um cadence will look like and what are we what are we looking for on those testings as well so we thrive to go towards regenerative agriculture, but we know it's gonna be a long journey, specifically for the communities that start in conventional um, practices. For in terms of certifications, we support USDA Organic, uh, Fair Trade, Fair for Life, and Regenerative Organic Alliance, which is really built on organic practices. I love it. You also have this unique crossroads that we talk about regenerative agriculture and we're talking about carbon negative local food. Well, we know that a lot of the foods that we love and we eat are not local <laughs> and they are not in your backyard. So you're really taking this a step further. And I think you're one of the few companies that really tackles international foods in a regenerative component. So how are you guys kind of uh, dealing with that little bit of a sidestep that it doesn't necessarily mean local regenerative is about practices community. I would love to kind of hear what you guys have been facing in that area. Yeah, absolutely. And we are a huge believer on local farming and supporting your local community and what your local farmers are building, because it is amazing the programs that here in the Eastern Shore outside of DC and Baltimore are doing or in Byland, New Jersey, or in California. I mean, there is so many amazing programs that um, farmers in the US, because we're such a big country, we import the majority of our food that we consume. So 
how do we continue to support those practices in a global economy and in international level? And that's what really simply came about on really fulfilling that gap of, I still wanna consume quinoa that grows in the Andes, or I still want to, um, I still want to, to have those, those beans that are a little bit, maybe a little bit more exotic um, from South America or different types of oils, but I wanna support, I wanna know the farming story, story and I wanna know that they're doing it the right way. So for us, the way to build that and to really trust it has been vertical integration. So working directly with farmers just allows us to own the whole supply chain, which it has proven to be super resilient during this COVID era where supply and demand is constantly changing and is also so much agile and versatile to the times versus other uh, more lean models, um, whereas more segregated supply chains. So by having vertical integration, it allows us to cut the middleman and gain a lot of margin on the, on the, on the inside to be able to invest back into the communities uh, through these initiatives of regenerative agriculture, education, organic transformation of land, but also come to the market and be competitive um, within, within um, the grains categories, beans and oils, because we all want to promote what the work that we're doing, but we understand that sometimes it is it could be price prohibitive to get it to, to some consumers to be able to achieve that. So by doing vertical integration, it allows us to have control of the product, of its quality, its price, its story, and investment back into its origin. I think that's so cool because the idea of local, of course, is to buy from your farmer, not to, you know, the farmer goes to this place to this place for you to eventually buy it at the grocery store. So yours is just a little bit farther of a jump, but still it's all about, you know, cutting out the middleman and getting closer to your farmer. So I love it. <laughs> yeah, there's um, on average, there's six parties between an international farmer and a, um, a distribution center in the U.S., so we try to consolidate as much as we can. And every single step, someone takes a little bit, a piece of a pie, but also has the opportunity to tailor the product, right? And mix it with other origins or um, change it to a different profile or create a different packaging. So for us, just being able to mitigate that and being able to consolidate it as much as we can and allows us to, um, to share the story a bit better. Sounds like the 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 last bowl, less chefs in the kitchen kind of thing. <laughs> the pure yeah. comes out at the end of the supply chain. Um, and I would love to hear a little bit about the communities that you're involved in. You know, tell me a little bit about how this is impacting their lifestyle. Are they just out there regenerative farming and in their oasis? Have they been like the U.S. farmers that they've kind of been squeezed financially that they have to make choices? What's going on in those communities, and how is this change affecting them? Yeah, um, I think we have a variation of different types of farmers that regenerative agriculture has affected them um, differently. I think for some of our communities that are more on the artisanal indigenous side in the Andes or in South America, this has been a great opportunity for them because it has been um, it has been the work they've been doing for so long. So now their good work being in a way. Um, is being in a, in a way being told and getting that top export dollar that maybe they, they wouldn't have before. Um, an organic product would have been sold as conventional because they didn't have the certification, right? Or it would have been mixed with another origin of where the product would have been. So um, I think that just really allows them to tell their story and why what they're doing is so important. Same thing with 
communities in the Amazon. Um, we have protect, protected indigenous communities um, in Brazil for acai, where they are harvesting wild acai in the proper way. Um, and now that we're looking into how is this, how can regenerative agriculture be applied to the to the practices in doing, what are the changes they have to make? It's amazing uh, how excited they are because they are excited to, for their practices and why their product is better to be told. Um, I think for communities that have started more on the conventional route and have been pushed to do monocropping or to follow a certain process because that's kind of where the market got dictated, uh, dictated them to, to be, they were a little bit more skeptical at first because you know you're telling them that you someone else told them that for them to make money the most they have to focus on one crop to do it the most effective way and to produce as much as they can and now you're telling me that you want to do the opposite and I can sell that at a, at a higher price and the my soil is going to get healthier my costs are going down this doesn't make sense to them so that's where I think a little bit more of education resilient has come into place um, we've seen that with our artichokes program um, in the coast of Peru where um, is a crop very well known for the use of high fertilizing chemicals for increase of yield so um, it's a working progress and it's just more on how do we create um, small testing groups to just make sure that we're seeing the success before we go with a mass growth group uh, for that specific product. And it's all about just showing wins from other colleagues that they have um, and for them to see what they're doing. Now, when we start working on a region and we started to really promote regenerative agriculture, there are farmers that are coming to us and wanting to be part of that program, which is amazing to see. And it's really the, the change that we want to be able to see in, in a region or in a country. I love that. It, it's so, it's, it almost makes us feel like the farming world is not as big as it is because we've had the same issue in America that here, go conventional, go big, you know, go wild. And then all of a sudden we're like, no, you're doing it wrong. And like fertilizer is not good. You know, so I feel like we've kind of looked the farmers around and then all of a sudden we're like, okay, let's go back to it. But um, it, yeah. it sounds like it's amazing. Do you have any stories you can share about like those experiences and like maybe just one person's story about how it's changed a community? Of course, like we, we love the storytelling and everybody should go follow your yeah. Instagram and your social media because you see it all the time, but maybe just one that's really hit with you. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the story I'm going to share is the first story, the first community that we ever reached, that we reached out to and we started working with. Um, the community itself, it's right outside of the border of Peru and Bolivia. It's called Taraco uh, in Puno region. And the community didn't even have a, a crop um, ready for, for their product, which it was for us a starting from zero, right? So what we did was we rented a truck, went from farmer to farmer with cash, um, created an invoice on hand, picked up, you know, anywhere from a hundred kilos to a thousand kilos. And until we had about 44,000 pounds and we could get the whole truck full to bring it to processing into uh, Lima, which is the capital of Peru. But that community was so thankful for the work that we were doing rather than them each farmer would if if we were not doing that work each farmer would have to take their product put it on a 
um, on a horse or a donkey or a scooter, rent a scooter and bring it to the local plaza, which it could have been anywhere from 30 minutes to three hours from where they live every Thursday and put a blanket and put their crop on the, on the, on the market and wait for the brokers to come in and for them to dictate the price on that product. So that right there was the first huge change that they saw how we operated and they welcome this approach. So now look, it's been two and a half years of us working with this community. This community now is a co-op. This community just achieved its organic certification. Um, they, uh, they got audited in June and in the 1st of July, they, the certificate was issued because the land was so ecologically treated that they never used um, any chemicals. So there was no trace of pesticides or glyphosates on their land. So the certification process only was one was only one year. So the community now of the amazing work that these indigenous, really humble families are doing, now they're getting a increase onto the same product for what they're doing because now the product is organic. Now we've enrolled them into the fair trade um, program. So their leader, his name is Mario. I've been working with Mario since I got started. He's so excited to be part of, um, to lead this community. And now we had about 100, 150 farmers. We've, we're going to grow that to about 1,000 in the area. So the growth and the amount of income that this community is getting because of just the awareness that we're creating behind their product is huge. The mayor invited us. They invite every time we go, um, they do a folklore dance um, to just thank us for the work they're doing. They show us how they eat their quinoa in breakfast and lunch and dinner. Um, so it's just hard for us to be embraced into their culture, but also celebrate the amazing work that they're doing um, in how we're part of their community now too. I love that. And it, it brings up this whole uh, burden to the farmer. So they have to grow the product and they have to grow, grow it biodynamically, regeneratively with the earth. And that's not as simple as growing one monocrop over and over and over again. So they have this huge burden and then they have to go to market, which is the burden of travel to the market and then of the buyer's market. So to me that these companies that come in like yours and offer this marketing expertise, along with the other million things that you're doing wonderfully, but this marketing the product in a way that we can sell what is higher value at higher value to me is just such an important component of growing this movement. Because if the farmers can't survive, we can't continue. So I think that that's just, you know, such a huge component of what needs to happen. Would you say that that's kind of a, a huge gap in the market right now is that marketing effort to get food from a farm to a customer. <laughs> yeah, and I think that there's a few brands that are starting, you know, they're doing it really well and are telling the story on how the food is sourced because the consumer wants to know. I think that as consumers, we want to know where, how we're connected and how can we be more connected to our food um, because food is medicine and it fuels us and what we put into our body matters. Um, matters for our physical for physical health, but also for our mental health, more than more than we probably know in what studies are out there. Um, so we as consumers are really are more curious about how our food is processed, where it's grown, how it's washed, how it's packaged. Um, and we're just a little bit more worried. And, and those questions are great because we should know as brands uh, where food is grown and who are the partners and who are the people that were behind the scenes and working with. Um, I think there's a lot of brands that are starting to tell this story. and. And consumers are more aware 
Um, but for us, that is a core piece of what Simply does, um, where we go and visit our communities. We have people on the ground that are working with them day to day to create these programs. So accessibility to the information is honestly just a call away when they have some service um, to, to, really add, to really answer any questions that we may have or just check on them. Um, because it is really important to know where your food is grown and how is it being uh, transferred all the way to the shelves in your, in your local restaurants or your supermarkets. I love that. And I just think of the farm example that you put out there that they had no pesticide residue. Like to me, that almost seems baffling that there exists such places in the world and that you guys yeah. are coming in with a positive influence, not, well, let's semi-regeneratively grow it and pesticide spray. You know, you guys want to keep it as clean and pristine. Like that's just, to me, like that's what it's all about is not destroying what's left and continuing to make it thrive. So I love that so much. What is ahead for you guys? You clearly are getting into so many wonderful things. Kind of what are your dreams and goals for the next five years, 10 years? <laughs> yeah, we've been um, really fortunate to continue to grow um, quickly. Simply can be found in tens of thousands of restaurants now um, across the nation, meal kit companies as well. We have great partners like um, Sweet Green or Splendid Spoon. And most recently, we've also launched our Regenerative Organic line um, of quinoas and oils as well and whole foods so that can, you can find some simply products in your local food local whole foods we're in about 250 locations across the u.s but for us i think it's the most important message is to continue to be an advocate for this planet um, and we do that through food through the joy of food and bringing people together so if we're able to just continue to bring more awareness i mean there wildfires happening in some islands of Greece this week. And um, we're seeing this tangible climate change in our backyards. And if you're not affected by it yet, um, it's in one way or the other, I think everyone's getting affected by it. So being able to um, fight it with agriculture and through food is really important for us because our mission is to be able to create joy through food. Um, and as we continue to grow, we're able to continue to convert farming grounds into regenerative agriculture and in follow our model and um, see that the market is ready for it, but also the farmers are excited for it and being connect those dots is really exciting for us. We'll be launching more products soon, um, either in retail as well as in wholesale. So you will see uh, more addition of some offerings. And that just really comes naturally to what our farmers are growing because they are rotating their crops and they're creating um, super healthy soil. So it's natural for us to continue to introduce what they're producing. So follow us our journey and follow what, what we're doing at eatsimply.com or at eatsimply with an I. I love it so much. We can't wait to see what's ahead and can't wait to eat all the different things from across the world. I love being, you know, we love that you're spreading change everywhere. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for having us. Uh, thank you for, for sharing the story of Simply. Uh, and I hope that, um, yeah, I hope that they were able to, to come back here and being able to see all, all the amazing work that we're able to accomplish in the future years. I love it. Um, so I'm going to ask you a bonus question that I would love your thoughts on indigenous movement versus regenerative movement. So, you know, white people have a history of greenwashing everything to death and destroying things. What's kind of your take on the word regenerative versus the word indigenous? <laughs> 
Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think that they're both really powerful uh, words, and I think they're both very, um, they can be distinctive, but they can also be very similar at the same time. I think that as we have such limited seconds to connect with a consumer when the consumer is making the choice. So if we're all able to um, streamline what that messaging is for an education purposes, is gonna be more powerful than trying to, um, to segregate rather than work together to see the change that we wanna see. I think from what I have heard from indigenous communities is that they are really excited to finally have a movement behind the work that they're doing. Um, you said that, you know, it's crazy that they were farmers that were, that had no trace of pesticides and, um, and their product was being sold as conventional. That's really common. That's, That's really, crazy. really common <laughs> in international farming. Oh. They just don't have the financing to get certifications for that. So for us, um, being able to just tell their story through a regenerative lens, it's so powerful because it just creates a sustainable model for them to to get their product into the shelves um, and to be to be um, to be told. Now, I think also indigenous communities for me, and I've been learning so much by working with them directly. I think the thought of we need to start listening to them um, or you know taking consideration their thoughts, it really still comes from a colonization perspective because it's not up to us to to listen to them, right? It's up to them and us to work together to be able to figure this out um and maybe it's up for them to listen to us until what 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 are our ideas and for them to be considered rather than coming into more of a perspective let me let me take your input and and think what to do with that so i think that indigenous communities are um coming from a place of finally the world is is it's valuing the world the work that they've been doing for thousands of years but I think there's so much alignment with regenerative work and they're very, very similar into what they both stand. So working together to educate a consumer rather than creating segregation is more powerful um, to, for the cause and to see the change we wanna see. I love that. It, it's good to feel that we're on the same table at least in so many things when in the past it just all felt like at odds with everything. So that at least makes me feel <laughs> a lot better about it. You know, I feel like it's just a whole different world and until we get in there and really are part of it, which is why I think you hold just such a unique key of like being there and getting to be part of it. No nonsense, you know, chains and all these different things, like actually being a farmer, I think that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we're very fortunate to be working directly with, with um, the farmers in our communities. Uh, so we're able to hopefully share their story on, on the proper way. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Is there anything kind of regenerative that you think I missed? I mean, I, you do so much great work. I'm sure like we could just talk forever, but you answer so succinctly. I feel like you just knocked it out. <laughs> no, no. Again, thanks again for 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 having us and, and sharing the work that we're simply doing from an international standpoint. Um, anyone listening, if you have any questions or any tips on us, um, any countries, any communities that we should be working on, any amazing crops that I might not be aware of yet, um, please let us know. We're always looking into growing, innovating, and being able to, um, to tell the story of more farmers. I love it. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. And we will get out there and start looking. <laughs>